0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, happy New Year. It's uh it's funny how a new year can bring about feelings of hope, right? That, at least for us, we thought to ourselves, man. On Christmas Eve, it was a little rough because we just felt like, ah, oh, it's still part of 2021, you know? And then as, soon as Chris, and, and, then, and then as soon as New Year's Day came, we just thought, oh, wow, we got the whole year ahead of us. That's a great feeling. It's like a fresh start, right? It's something that um, we as Christians ought to be familiar with, this feeling of hope and joy. And we need it in this world. We need it in this world, especially because of all the darkness that goes on in this world. And it's hard not to point out a certain darkness in this world when we have the text that we have for today. That every time I kept looking back to these texts, there is something to be told here. There is something to be told for the whole of Christianity, for the whole um, world to understand. But especially for us today, we need to understand something very serious. And you may think that I'm making a huge leap here that I'm getting a little overzealous or that I may be reading something into the text that isn't quite there. You may be thinking to yourself when I tell you what I'm thinking about, Pastor, you know, can you just keep in the tune with Christmas and the new year, please? I really don't want to have all this heavy stuff weighing on my mind. But how can you read what Herod did? How can you read about what Herod did To those poor children. Out of his jealous rage. Out of his lustful passion for power. How can you read these things. And not think about the atrocities that are perpetuated day after day. Within our country when it comes to abortion. And even worse than that. Satan has a way of working on things in a way where the devil is truly in the details. And again, you may think that I'm reading too much into this, but it's been weighing on my heart heavily for a long time now about what is taking place in our country and across the world when it comes to these children. That not only is it bad enough that they murder these kids in the womb, but then they are using their body parts and their cells to perpetuate science and scientific research. That it just becomes to a point where we have to say, when is enough enough? Thanks be to God that our government, in Texas at least, has passed a bill and it has you know, been approved or found constitutional by the Supreme Court that you cannot have an abortion after... Heartbeat is found, and that is a great, great step in the right direction. It's also a great step in the right direction that uh, those who would uh, commit the murder, not the mother necessarily, but the doctor, would be prosecuted if someone would desire to do so. That evil needs to be called out, evil needs to be brought to justice. It is evil that since the 70s, tens upon tens of millions and millions of children have been killed in the womb. And to go back a little bit, when it comes to using their body parts for science, some might be callous enough to say, well, that was so long ago. Can't something good come from it still today? And the only thing that I can think of that would be good that would come from that is repentance. Is to understand just the cost of some things. That it's not necessary to do these things to these poor children. It's not necessary to put, them, to put their body parts to these things. We should just lay them to rest. We should be merciful as God is and stop this atrocity. And it may be you can look at these things and say, well, you know, History was a little kind to King Herod, because in Bethlehem, he probably only killed about 20 or 30 boys, because it was a small town. I mean, I think the historians of the day didn't even count that as one of the main bad things that he did, even though he did worse things, right, in the eyes of some historians. So we can be the same way. We can look and we can say, oh, but it's only a few things. It's only a few kids. It was so long ago, and all the while, we're justifying ourselves. We're justifying ourselves. And I've been wrestling with this for a long time, and it pains me to even say it, but it's like Jeremiah, when he was given something to speak by the Lord, and he said no so much that his bones burned within him and he could not help but speak it. I can't help but speak this. I can't help but say it. Because we need to know these things. We need to know the atrocities that are taking place. Our children need to know about these things. And I pray that we as Christians would say, no. I'm not gonna participate in these things. I'm not gonna participate in whatever pharmaceuticals or whatever science is going to use these children in such an atrocious way. We ought to do this because I pray that by my example of what not to do, others would learn and be warned that I failed my daughter when she was getting a round of shots, regular round, measles, mumps, rubella, I believe, and two of those shots in that cocktail contain aborted fetal cell lines. And I found out after the fact. And now I have to live with that with my daughter. And I pray that more people would understand just how pervasive this is. That if we as Christians don't take a stand and say, enough's enough, then who's gonna do it? The world doesn't care. The world that bows down to science will look at these things and say, well, it's for the good of humanity. And we as Christians say, Lord, have mercy. And I say all this because if we as Christians take a stand for life, which this January is the March for Life in D.C. and in other major towns and cities throughout the country. I think there's one in Austin on January 20th. If you're not doing anything, make it down there and support life. Because this atrocity needs to end. We as Christians need to do this one step at a time, one prayer at a time, one march at a time. Because when we do these things, We are fulfilling God's will in terms of speaking out for those who can't speak up for themselves. For the children who are murdered in the womb every day. For the children that cannot defend themselves because they are being sacrificed to the idol of comfort. Of career. Or even just of fear. That we as Christians ought to support those agencies, those charities those outreach programs that would reach out to women who have crisis pregnancies and give them the support that they need to raise that child or to bring that child to term and at least give them up for adoption. And when we do these things, we shouldn't be surprised, as Peter talks about. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't think it's strange that the demons hate you. Don't think it's strange that Satan would send all manner of people against you to say, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't understand the science. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that as Christians, when we speak up for the unborn, the innocent, those who can't defend themselves, that Satan would do all that he would to torment us. And he has done that to me in preparing for this sermon by having little voices in my head saying, oh, you don't want to say this. Oh, you don't want to go there. But I need to. Because as Christians, we deserve the truth. You deserve the truth as God's people. To understand what it is to live in this world, to understand just how pervasive and how evil Satan can be in tricking us, in getting us to use our reason for things that are ungodly, to self justify. But we as Christians, if we suffer as Christians, let us not be ashamed, as Peter says. Let us not be ashamed, but let us glorify God in that name. Let us glorify him because Christ suffered for us in the flesh. We should arm ourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Christ has done this for you. He has suffered. In all actuality, Jesus Christ was a prime candidate for abortion. He was unwanted in every sense of the word according to the world. But the Lord's will was that he be born. Just like all children, if we can help it, that they would be born and live a life that God would find pleasing. That in Christ, in the grand scheme of things, we see how he has conquered sin, death, and the power of that devil who would seek to destroy us. That we who suffer, suffer with Christ. We who suffer slander from the world suffer with Christ. That he has taken it all upon himself that if we have engaged in these things, that we ought not. If we wisen up, if we repent, if we trust in God, He is merciful. He is gracious. He has suffered in our place. But let us not be held in bondage anymore. Let us not desire The meat pots of Egypt, as we wander around in this barren, desolate wilderness of this world. Let us not be like Israel, who failed in so many different ways, chasing after false gods. Theirs might have been statues and things made of wood and stone, but ours are comfort and complacency and all the things of this world, including health, wealth, and happiness. Let us not bow down to these false gods. Trust in the one true God who has delivered you from these things, who has justified you before his sight, who has made you holy because he is holy. We should understand that we, as believers in Christ, as the faithful who trust in what Christ has done for us. We are Israel. We are the true Israel according to the spirit of faith. And we often fail miserably, just like the first Israel did. We fail oftentimes in word, in thought, and indeed in what we have done, in what we have left undone. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not loved God with our whole heart. We justly and truly deserve his temporal and eternal punishment. But thanks be to God, Christ has become the new Israel. He has gone into Egypt. He has gone into the bondage of sin, but that sin did not taint him. He did not commit a sin he is perfect and blameless and holy, as we should have been, as we should be. But for our sakes, he lived the perfect life for you. He lived that perfect life. He came out of Egypt, the land of bondage and slavery, crossed over that Jordan, was baptized for you, which we will celebrate next Sunday, his baptism, for the sake of your salvation. He did all these things so that you would be saved, so that you could look back and say, Lord, have mercy on what I did or what I did out of ignorance or what I did that I shouldn't have done. and And it's now being brought to light, even though it was years ago. Lord, have mercy. That is a cry of the faithful. Lord, have mercy. But it's not a cry that earns your salvation. That salvation was won for you by Christ. When you cry out, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, amen. You say amen because it is true. He gives you mercy. He gives you grace. He gives you all that you need to be sustained in faith and in salvation. In the face of the suffering that comes from being a Christian. So as we go forward from here, and we set our New Year's resolutions, I pray that our resolution, at least one of them, maybe even as a church, would be that we would support life a little bit more, that we would speak out a little bit more about the atrocities that are taking place, about reaching out to those poor women who would consider an abortion and show them that that there's something better. To show them that Christ has died for them. To show them that he forgives them even of considering murdering their child. To show them that Christ will have mercy on them. I pray that we would do this. I pray that we would... Really, make this a consideration for this new year that we would do all we can to protect life, both young and old, and do all we can in doing so according to God's will. And all throughout this year, I also pray that we would understand who Christ is a little bit better, that we would dive deeper into His Word to understand what it is that He wants for our lives, to understand. The knowledge of salvation as best as we can, and to go forward seeing him as that true shepherd who leads us, who guides us, and who warns us of the dangers that are in this world so that we would persevere firmly in our faith to the end. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.